this is supposed to be a great time of year and I'm supposed to be enjoying all of these things, but behind all of this, I'm sad and I'm exhausted and the time goes by and it doesn't feel as great as it used to. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Wollistic Doses podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Kane. If this is your first time tuning in, we have curated content provided by health and wellness providers that are a part of the Wollistic community. For more information, check out www.wollistic.com. On this episode of Wollistic Doses, my guest is the founder of Jade Integrative Counseling and Wellness in Charlotte, North Carolina. She has a BA in Human Development and Family Studies, an MA in Professional Counseling, and is currently pursuing her PhD in Counseling Psychology with an emphasis in Trauma and Crisis. Some of her most recent work has supported corporate professionals at the Microsoft Corporation. Aside from work, she is a yoga instructor and keeps busy as a mother and wife. I'd like to welcome to the show, Sharice Johnson. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. Today, we're going to be talking about seasonal affective disorder and the holiday blues. Yes. Um, and I'm sure that's something you have quite a bit of experience with. Mm-hmm. And, and a huge topic this time of year. Yeah, definitely. So just to start things off, uh, I know people aren't outside as much as they are typically in the summertime. And I would just like to clarify, what is seasonal affective disorder or SAD as we may refer to it? Specifically during this time of year, it's problematic for so many. So what exactly is SAD? Yeah, so seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, as you mentioned, is a clinical mood disorder. So it's a type of depression, and it definitely comes and goes with the season. So traditionally, we find that it begins in late fall or early winter, often around the time that the time changes, season changes, we're getting shorter days, less light. And for most who have it, it'll go all the way into early spring until we hit that other time change and kind of get back to those longer days. So it can be a really long stretch. Wow. So it's less sunlight? What exactly? You know, yeah, it it can be a combination of different things. So With the sunlight being less, some people are definitely more affected by having less kind of vitamin D, which we get from those sun rays, as well as there's a lot of barometric changes. Um, If you've ever come across anyone, even in your own conversation or found even for yourself, that you notice mood is lower when it's darker or when it's rainy, some people are extremely sensitive to that time. So it's, it's often cyclical, you know, and the challenge of it is there are things that you can do to make it better, but there is nothing that you can necessarily do to prevent it if it's a way that your body simply responds to the environment, other than making sure that you're not in a place like a Seattle or an Alaska where there is extreme seasons of dark and that affects you and knowing that wouldn't be a place you'd want to stay. So it sounds like it's just more of an awareness um, and being able to deal with it that way since you can't necessarily avoid it, uh, but just being aware and trying to minimize the potential of having those uh, effects from it. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Awareness is key. Most people who struggle Uh, The struggle is intensified when 
they either are kind of in denial of it or they're not aware of it. And so they're not being proactive in doing all of the different things that they can to help moderate the time. But the people who've learned that about themselves over time and kind of can prepare for it tend to manage and get through that season in a much healthier way um, than those who really are just kind of not sure what's happening and then not treating it in the best way possible. Perfect. And another term that we had spoke about briefly um, in the introduction is holiday blues. Um, mm-hmm. So what exactly uh, is holiday blues? Can you clarify that for our listeners? Sure. So holiday blues is a little different. A holiday blues may um, have depression, but it could also have anxiety. And it's usually temporary and traditionally situational. For example, someone that has lost a loved one close to the holidays may find that for subsequent holidays, they have a little sadness because of feeling the loss of, you know, this parent or this grandparent or a friend is no longer there in that time. Or let's say a family has recently gone through divorce or even moved. And so now holidays look very different than they've looked in a long time. So the memories and the emotions that are attached to the season, which is quote unquote supposed to be this happy and joyous season of year, can actually be pretty painful because people are still grieving And those special moments bring up that grief. But then once you get past those holidays, that traditionally lifts. And for folks that maybe haven't had a loss in their life or something traumatic in that context, just the stress from the holidays, can that also affect someone's mood? And would it be considered like holiday blues? Say if I had to purchase gifts for 10 different people in my family, would would that also fall under holiday blues? You know, I, I think it depends on the person. Blues tends to be focused on a downward shift. So if the stress is to the point that it is creating some sadness, then yes. If it's stress, you're amped up and stress, you know, that can be in a different category. It's possible. So really intensity of it and frequency of it has a lot to do with whether or not it's considered in holiday blues. But we absolutely see so many people um, and so many people that I work with who talk about, you know, this is supposed to be a great time of year and I'm supposed to be enjoying all of these things, but behind all of this, I'm sad and I'm exhausted and the time goes by and it doesn't feel as great as it used to. So definitely possible. That's deep. That could go on a deeper level with just society and how we Mm -hmm. place value on certain things that maybe uh, society shouldn't. Are there any links between the two, SAD and the holiday blues? Mm -hmm. So not necessarily links, but what we do find is the symptoms can be very similar. So I feel there are a lot of people who have a difficult time differentiating. For example, there are some people who may say, oh, I just get the holiday blues around this time of year and don't really recognize it's a little bit more than just this time of year. You know, we see this from October to February or March, depending upon where you are. So again, the most difficult thing that we see is people have a difficult time noticing and acknowledging the difference between the two. And then if we take the example that you gave, if someone is super busy and stressed and really kind of being overproductive, they're also less likely to recognize and acknowledge that they're not okay. In these conversations uh, that we're having here today, I think it's important to have, because so many people are affected 
whether it's short term with holiday blues in mm-hmm. its society or pressure they're putting on themselves, or if it's mm-hmm. seasonal affective disorder where it's really out of their control and it's just the environment and the effects that they're feeling from that. To broaden this conversation, where do you feel our society currently stands on diminishing stigmas around mental health? Yeah, you know, I think our society is in two different places. So in many ways, I really feel we've made huge improvements. We've had to make those improvements because there are so many things happening on the forefront of society that has made us all face, okay, mental health is very much a real issue and we can't ignore it and we have to look out for it more. So with things like this podcast and what, you know, Wellistic does and social media and the news, we're starting to see the conversation happen more, which is so helpful because then you have people who may be suffering in silence or wouldn't say anything about it. They're still able to get information. Where we still might be struggling as a society is so many people still don't have access. One of the things that we can overlook depending upon our own life circumstances is that having access to mental health care is actually a privilege. You know, there are a lot of people who either are uninsured or even if they have an insured plan based on what that looks like, they still may not be able to afford mental care or medication or even a gym membership or whatever they need to find support. So that's the place that we're still struggling is just with the access, but exposure, having the conversation is getting so much better. It, it is a privilege uh, to have access to healthcare and uh, for mental health purposes. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about um, homelessness and they were kind of questioning, well, how, how can people be homeless? I brought up the point that it's not just there's maybe not a job for a person or they don't have a trade or whatever the case may be, but it's actually more than that. It's that they may have a mental health disability or they may need some help to be able to maintain a job. Yeah. And, and our picture of homelessness just for a moment is very narrow, you know, so most people have that concept of someone standing on the side of the road with a sign, but recent data actually says that about 40% of the homeless population are lower middle-class families who are just living paycheck to paycheck and Uh, lost a loved one, you know, let's say it's a married family with children and the husband passed away and the mother didn't have the income to be able to sustain their their way of living. Um, So there are a lot of middle income families who are either one step away from homelessness or like you're saying, someone got sick and they weren't able to recover from that financially and that changed the entire course of their life. And around this time of year, it's important that we all give the best we can um, to whatever charity or donate items that we have. Uh, What can people do to help to continue to remove mental health stigmas? Yeah, you know, I think the most important place for us to start is with ourselves. A lot of times the stigma is something that we feel ourselves. And so taking the time to go, hey, what are my own beliefs there? Am I willing to acknowledge when I'm not okay with compassion? Because kind of in Western civilization, and you know, I'd say it's everywhere, but specifically just within our kind of American culture, 
we pride ourselves in always being okay and always seeming like everything is together. And so sometimes that encourages us to hide things that we need to, to talk about. And so acknowledging our own struggles without guilt and being able to seek support is the first step. Because if we can do that for ourselves, then it's going to make us more open and more aware of what other people have gone through. You know, if anyone has gone through the holiday blues or has seasonal affect, they all have more compassion even towards other people. They'll pay more attention when you're at a holiday party and you notice someone who is less talkative and a little bit more distant. The assumption may not be that they're just not interested. You may go to them and ask a different question and and being able to really see each other and notice those small changes is also a really great way to remove that stigma and let people know, hey, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. I'd like to break away from our conversation with Sharice for a second to highlight the sponsor of this podcast, Carolina Bar. Every class is taught with integrity and the ability to modify at any time to meet the needs of the class. Each guest is made to feel welcomed and part of the community. Above all, the high-quality fitness classes focus on position, alignment, and movement in a welcoming, loving environment where guests are more than just a name on a roster. Check out Carolina Bar located at 2603 Glenwood Ave in Raleigh or 4201 A Park Road, Charlotte, North Carolina. What should someone do if they're experiencing some of the symptoms from seasonal affective disorder? And could you list a few of those symptoms for us as well? Yeah, so a few of the symptoms from seasonal affective disorder is going to be depression, uh, what we call anhedonia, which is essentially decreased interest in things that traditionally bring you pleasure. So isolating, um, pulling back from people. Uh, sometimes you'll also see increased fatigue or so almost feeling like your limbs are heavy and this increased need for sleep even though you know, okay, if I look at it in terms of hours-wise, I've gotten plenty of sleep. Some people will also see appetite changes that can be increased appetite. Someone feels like they're eating for comfort or even decreased appetite due to sadness. You know, those are some of the common ones. In terms of what they can do, there are lots of great options, both kind of holistically and clinically. So it is very helpful to speak with either a counselor or therapist or even your primary care physician, especially if it's something that you've noticed each year it's continuing to recur. There are some people who benefit from having a low-level antidepressant around this time of year, or if they're already on one, sometimes giving them a slight increase in dosage during this year will help them kind of level off and baseline. And if there are people who are not into um, psychotropics and, and medication, there are different vitamins and nutrients that they can also take to help that. I I definitely would encourage if that's a route that someone wants to go instead of going into your local vitamin shop or GNC and just purchasing several things, even consider doing um, a nutrient and vitamin check, which is also another active step that you can take. A lot of times what we see in people with seasonal affect 
is during this time of year, they may also have extremely low vitamin D. And so whether over the counter or prescribed at a higher dose, that can be a really helpful addition to their daily regimen. Um, and then two other really important components are exercise. Because the weather changes, it's a little bit colder, people have a tendency to move less, but that movement gives us great endorphins and actually helps to lift mood. So trying to find some exercises that you still enjoy and being able to do it inside. And then light therapy. Um, light therapy can be done a couple of different ways. There are specific light bulbs that can be purchased um, and placed and kind of reset into your home area or there is a specific light lamp that is made for individuals who struggle with seasonal affect. And basically what they would do is at the beginning of the morning, they would spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes at an angle in front of that light, which is going to give them some of that natural um, endorphins that they need and dopamine to help them move or even the use of a small Himalayan, pink Himalayan salt lamp um, can be extremely helpful during these times. That's some great advice. So a few years back, I wasn't quite sure why I was uh, feeling down. I didn't really have anything to point it to. Nothing was going wrong. I was working out regularly. I can't remember the exact reason why I picked up specifically vitamin D. I hadn't read anything online, but I had just started taking it. And, mm -hmm. and about two weeks after I'd been taking the vitamin D, I was just like in a better mood. Um, yes. I was back to being more outgoing. And I mm -hmm. kind of sat down and thought to myself, what have I changed? I'm still working out. I'm still eating the same mm -hmm. foods. And the only difference was the vitamin D. And it was so yeah. profound. I, I can't even explain it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain <laughs> until you've experienced it. And then it's, it's kind of mind blowing. You know, traditionally, we only check our vitamins and nutrients once a year at our annual physical. I often encourage the people that I work with to, to get it checked twice a year. So in the fall, get it rechecked again, especially for the people that I work with that are highly active because you're actually going to use up those nutrients and vitamins faster than the average person due to the amount of exertion. So it's just phenomenal information to be able to have. And even there are certain foods, you know, so people might need more omega-3s, which just means add some more fish, you know, or hemp parts to your diet. And all of that plays a part. Definitely. And to touch base on the lighting uh, that you had mentioned, tanning beds, mm -hmm. are they or are they not included in the lighting that will help with uh, seasonal affective disorder? It actually depends on the tanning beds. So there are some locations that have started to take note of how all of this plays in together, and it really depends on the bulbs that they use. So again, if a person feels like this is something that they know that they have, and they enjoy tanning in moderation, I would definitely encourage them just to ask questions to the place that they go. But a lot of places are beginning to kind of change things out and even marketing themselves in a way as this being something that's helpful. So it's definitely not a bad thing to do. It's just knowing whether that specific tanning bed actually has enough light to emit to do what's going to help your body or whether you're just getting a tan and there's nothing really happening. Otherwise. Maybe a placebo <laughs> effect in that case, yes, which could still yes. be beneficial, some would argue. <laughs> it can. Yeah, won't hurt you for sure. 
What are some practical steps uh, people can take this time of year to avoid holiday blues? Since we've talked about sad, let's move over to the holiday blues and just talk about yeah. you know, some of the practical steps, like I said, people can uh, take away from this to avoid. Absolutely. So I would say, one, balance your schedule. It's so easy to get overscheduled during this time of year. More people are having parties and events. And being able to give yourself the permission to say no, or if you attend something and you're still noticing I'm here, but this is really difficult, setting some kind of boundary and saying, well, I'll attend, but only for a small period of time. Uh, Two, it's important to be open with other people and let them know what's going on for you. So especially for people who are really struggling with the loss of a loved one or their family unit has changed, they've moved and they're recently in a new location, really just sharing with other people, yeah, this is a really hard time for me. I'm used to being with my family and they're not there. And then creating new traditions can actually be very helpful. There's a lot of families that I've worked with and they've noticed, much like we were saying earlier, that the holiday got away from itself. You know, it moved from this, we enjoy being with each other and spending time and making memories to this mad dash of pressure and gift giving that took away from the time. So a lot of families are scaling back. For example, if everyone in the family used to go out and get gifts and you had to spend X number of dollars on everyone, a lot of people are moving towards putting their money together and adopting another family for Christmas. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, or serving and volunteering together at a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving before they eat a meal together. And that balance of remembering, hey, there are other people out there that, that don't have what we have is a great way to create some new traditions and new meaning around this time of year. Yeah, it sounds like it can really bring like um, some of the things that folks should be grateful for and make them stop and realize that. Yes. Um, So to move away from the topics we've been discussing, we're going to move into our final segments here. What is something that you have recently learned about and where did you learn about it from? Yeah. So something that I have been recently studying and searching is the connection between food and emotions. So work with a lot of people around that, but in a completely different way, looking at nutrient deficiencies and how certain nutrient deficiencies that we're unaware of, even though I know we talked about it a little bit, um, based on genetics, based on culture, based on male, female, often can play into our level of anxiety, how well we're sleeping, irritability. Um, And I get a lot of, I have access to medical journals, so I know that's not something that all the listeners will, you know, be able to, to get access to. But the World Health Organization, that we also call WHO, has some really great information out there um, and just really helping people also see the benefit of eating according to the season and how that plays into overall well-being. Because more and more what I'm seeing is people want to live well and they want things to be individualized to their own life and their own approach. But that takes knowing yourself or even knowing, are you Italian? Are you Latinx? And how does that even play into the foods that your body processes well um, and how that makes you feel? 
That is really interesting. And the nutrition aspect, I think it's overlooked a lot of times. Mm -hmm. People may be looking for a magic pill or something to take. A lot of the times the uh, magic pill, if you will, is within their diet. It's good. You have a well-rounded look at situations that people deal with outside of Mm -hmm. prescribing something, uh, really working with them to find what is the best option for them, whether it is medicine or it is their diet and exercise. And just starting at a baseline and working with them from that point, sounds like you have a really good approach to how you work with people. Yeah. Well, I think if you think about it, you know, that's so much of who we are as people, right? The basics are eating, sleeping, you know, movement and water intake. And honestly, about 70% of what we struggle with could be significantly improved by addressing those areas adequately. And then you can add on as necessary. And sometimes that's so simple that people make it complicated and think that there's something else that they should be doing and want to be doing. But those are what I like to call the vital habits that give us really great well-being. And then, you know, after that, if you're still not feeling as well as you like, what are your finances like? What's your job stress like? All of that plays a part um, before we we get to that last step of needing medicinal support. It's, uh, it's a lot to take in and to consume yeah. for sure. And I think it's important yeah. that if people are having issues, they reach out for help. And my last question for you, a little personal, but how do you deal with stress? Oh, let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, a lot of how I deal with stress actually depends on what I'm stressed about. So I try to notice where am I feeling stress and how can I be what I like to call proactive instead of being reactive. So to the best of my ability, I attempt to set up my schedule and routine in a way that I know I have time and space to kind of ebb and flow with everything. Um, I'm a yoga teacher, so I really love that time of slowing myself down. And then I love exercise in general. And that's such a good um, process for my own mood. And then really giving myself permission to rest and always working through not feeling guilty saying no. And I tend to be really honest with people if I'm saying no to something. You know, if there's a large party, um, when people meet me, just point of disclosure, it's funny, a lot of times they think that I'm this major extrovert and I'm actually not. I do much better in small groups. And so being in large situations for a long time, for example, overwhelms me. And I know that about myself. So if someone invites me into a situation like that and I know my tank is running kind of low, I give myself permission to say, you know what, I'm not going to be there, but I would love to catch up with you and a few other people, you know, next week or at another time. And so part of how I believe a lot of people, including myself, get so overwhelmed with stress is we want to be everything to everybody instead of acknowledging that we just can't be that all the time and it's it's okay and I feel like you know the people in my life their response around it has always been so kind and so wonderful and I've never regretted giving myself that time to sit back and do something different Um, I also love spending time with my family and friends that's a good source of comfort and enjoyment for me. So in terms of balancing responsibility with having a life, 
I also try to make sure I spend time with people that I love um, because those situations aren't filled with pressure and I can just be whatever I need to be in that moment without being worried about somebody wondering, is she okay? And um, she seems different. You understand clearly how important it is. The famous quote, you can't pour from an empty cup. It sounds like you really do take care of yourself and give what you can give and set boundaries so that you're taking care of yourself so you can give more and be effective when you do give. Right. That's definitely the goal. We have to fill up and then give out and fill up and then give out and just also know when we're in a situation where it takes too much out of us and and that's not the best situation for us and and be willing to make a change. Incredible advice. This has been an amazing podcast. I appreciate you once again taking the time out here this morning um, to sit down with me. Sharice Johnson, once again, I'd like to say thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys creating this platform. Um, I hope the listeners find it very helpful. And of course, if anyone has questions, I'm more than happy to, to be a resource and just appreciate you having me on. For more information regarding Sharice Johnson, please check out www.wallistic.com where you will also be able to learn more about SAD and the holiday blues. Remember to subscribe and share. This is your host, Eddie Kane. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Holistic Doses.